You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with always typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2003 horror classic House of 1000 Corpses. Fried chicken and gasoline all day long. Tiny fucked a stump. <laughs> Wait, that's too deep a cut. That's like you have to watch the special features on the DVD. Hunger shit. <laughs> I think it fucked up and do fucked up shit. Yeah, like recording episode 74 of a fucking horror podcast. Woot. Were we going to say fuck a lot because of how much they say fuck in this movie? Uh, probably. I'm, we could just like give the finger to the microphone because that happens a that lot. That happens too. a lot too. Yeah. Um, it really makes me think that I either need to up my swearing game because mm-hmm. I'm getting a little PG-13 in my old age or that I need to grow the fuck up. Because I'm getting influenced by watching a movie where they curse a lot. And then I walk out the other end of it just saying, fuck, 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 fuck. Well, you could walk out the other end of it screaming, Dr. Satan. <laughs> like a lot of other people did coming out of this movie. Aside from House of Thousand Corpses in the show, what's coming up really soon? And if you want to tune in to OttawaHorror.com, mm-hmm. I'm going to do my annual hangout there and take photos of the zombie walk Mm -hmm. which will be happening here october 2nd correct yeah um i love zombie walk Mm -hmm. and if i want to live in the world of house of thousand corpses all my life it's it can happen at the fucking zombie walk once a year Mm -hmm. everyone who is a huge fan of halloween zombies and dressing up special effects and spattering blood all over yourselves uh, comes out and I fucking love it. So I'm mm-hmm. really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, and, and you know it keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. All these zombie walks get more and more popular. The, the turnout for Ottawa has gone from a couple of dozen people to a few hundred people to I bet there was almost uh, two thousand people the last time I was there. And you know even if you just want to go there, just gawk, take photos because I guarantee you that much like a zombie infection itself. Like once you just get down there, get in proximity of those guys all acting out in their fucking costumes and shit like that, you cannot help the infection that will spread. And then I guarantee you'll be there next year in full zombie garb because you'll be like, you'll see what it is. You're like, yeah, it's just friends walking around pretending to be zombies for an hour. Isn't that fun? Letting me take pictures of you. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah. And if you're not really into it, you know, it's sponsored by Audrey's Costume Castle again this year. Mm-hmm. So they'll make you up. There's going to mm-hmm. be makeup booths there if you're you know, lazy or don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have sort of a zombie look. Do you really love this shit the way I fucking love this shit? You can really, you know, spread your wings. You don't have to wait for Halloween. You can get out there and get your fucking blood on and have fun and dress as whatever zombies you like. There's a lot of people that do Silent Hill stuff too, which aren't necessarily zombies, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of, there's usually uh, pyramid head and some nurses walking. Yeah, there's around. definitely I definitely see nurses there for sure. Yeah, I see a lot of like just horror stuff. You know, you could go and dress as Otis and Baby, and there probably has been people at Zombie Watch dressed as Otis and Baby. Mm. Um, I think I should maybe dress as Baby. That'd be fun. That'd be super fun. Well, I mean, I I, I have been telling people for years that the only way to experience 
Lydia is in assless chaps. Anyway. Now, let me ask you this, Lydia. When we first started this show, we wanted to shy away from bigger horror films. Even though we've, we've fell right off the rails with that, usually, listeners, if you must know, that's my fault. Because I just get excited about things. We never would have done Halloween had I not tricked Lydia into it. But a trick and a treat because it was Halloween for Halloween. And I mean, we <laughs> it was so that we could do part two. That was my whole why I agreed to that. Yeah. And let's not forget our upcoming Halloween special. Where we're going to be doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre one and two. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the two. That's the trick. It's how I got to. That's the only reason I'm going to do it, because I love that movie. And it's a way to trick you into letting me talk about House of Thousand Corpses again, because <laughs> I will. It's true. You will, uh, because our good friend and uh, friend of the show, I think at this point, Bill Mosley. <laughs> our good friend, because he calls you on the phone. He yeah. calls me on the phone and just st- starts spouting out some helter skelter rhetoric yeah. <laughs> into the phone. And um, the thick encrustations dying on the surface. Exactly. Yeah. Um, trying to get me away from my mechanical machine world. Yeah. Um, Donald Duck on one side and Mickey Mouse on the other. It's ridiculous that he knows exactly what kind of socks I'm wearing at all times. You really wanted to do House of a Thousand Corpses, and I was... Mm. Like any well-adjusted, good, and wholesome person. It's true. I can I can totally see where that... Look, in my sage little world, House of a Thousand Corpses doesn't exist. I just glossed it over with Disney cartoons. Most people did. <laughs> You're not alone. No, but we decided to do House of a Thousand Corpses because it'd be good for the show, and uh, it's a movie that's worth talking about. And we We're also, heading into Halloween. We're heading into Halloween. Guys, we on that creep. We on that fucking Halloween creep. Creep is right. This helps, and it's almost like fitting to do this as a Halloween show. Mm-hmm. You could pretty much do any Rob Zombie movie really as a Halloween special because they're all very Halloweeny. He's a Halloweeny guy. He's a very Halloweeny guy. I remember one time in the early days of YouTube, they had Rob Zombie as sort of a Halloween host for the day, and what all it really was was just him recommending. YouTube videos that were Halloween themed or inspired that he thought was really, really cool. So, uh, and I'd watched all of those and he had a little introduction about why he picked the YouTube videos that he did. Really, really interesting. Oh, fun. Yeah. That was a lot of years ago at this point. I wish they would do that every single year. Mm -hmm. Instead, we have like um, Michael Doherty things to look forward to on Halloween. He usually releases some sort of short or like with some Adam Green kind of stuff maybe sam will be back maybe sam will be back you know that's what we look forward to i wouldn't mind if they would do every year rob zombie hosting some sort of like youtube seems to make sense right yeah the yellow brick road that does make total sense i'm sad i missed that i wonder if it still exists i'm gonna have to go find that yeah Mm -hmm, that sounds fun he would be a perfect little horror host because he does have that halloween mindset halloween is every day for him and that was part of why i liked this movie and would do it anytime we were actually going to sit down and do this with opie saint at one time Mm -hmm. we tossed that idea around it didn't come to pass but i was so hinged on having this on the show that leading into halloween it seemed like a perfect fit so i'm glad i'm glad you let me well i I always uh, like the idea of getting certain films under our belt before we hit that 100 
episode milestone. So I think it'd be good to to be. And not only that, yeah, we are heading into Halloween, so it would be really good to uh, to finally finally do it. Thirty one has just come out too, so it's kind of a good timing to be talking about Rob Zombie. I think and talking about that, I was joking at the end of the last episode in a way where I was like, "Yeah, we'll go back to the fucking movie that started all the Rob Zombie hatred," but it's kind of true. <laughs> It is really, really true. Now, we have talked about Rob Zombie tangentially before in the show because we've never done a Rob Zombie film. And it is true that there are some very polarizing opinions about him and a couple of other horror aficionados. When we were doing Cabin Fever, we were talking about how Eli Roth kind of these days seems to be the new Rob Zombie with how people are so divided on his contributions to the horror entertainment, but it was Rob Zombie and Holy fuck. I I had never seen anything like it. Honestly, truly nothing like it before him because we had our horror maestros that had existed for years that people like would mention in hushed tones and even, and the harshest critics came from the mainstream, the normals, the non-horror fans, people criticizing work from John Carpenter, people criticizing Romero's work, people criticizing Wes Craven, either saying that they're overrated or they've lost it or um, they're producing trash and we don't need to pay attention to it. And we're accustomed to that. But this was the first time from my memory, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that it was coming from the horror community itself. It seemed to be. Yeah. And everyone sort of jumped on those coattails too and just yeah. followed along and decided before seeing it that they didn't like it or haven't seen it and still don't like it. That's happened quite often and quite famously with some Rob Zombie movies. There's a long forgotten and lost episode of the Caustic Critics from the old Rumorg podcast that doesn't exist anymore, where there was a review of a Rob Zombie film that wasn't even watched I, by one of the I, reviewers. I, it was the first Halloween remake that Rob did. Yeah. And that was fucking embarrassing. Yeah, that was... Yeah, you know, and I really, you know, you got to commend Feedback for calling him out on it. Feedback fucking trolled them. Yeah. Trolled them. Was saying things that were happening in the movie that didn't happen in the movie while his guest for the day was just going along with it. Oh, yeah, that was ridiculous. Oh, my God, that was so dumb. And just going off about how bad it was. And then at the last second, Feedback says, none of that stuff is in this movie. And... I'm usually... You could almost replay that, though, in real life with somebody who says they don't like a Rob Zombie movie. It's true. Now, I am I am of the camp of... Well, let me back way up. So when, when I first heard that House of a Thousand Corpses was coming, I saw a fucking trailer for it. And gang, this was before YouTube. This was before the internet was really all that useful for things like this unless you wanted to spend six hours downloading a trailer i watched a movie called i think it was black mask it's a Jet Li movie and it was on vhs and the block of trailers before it before the movie started one was for house of a thousand corpses and it was that i i meant to watch it before we we watch the show again because I wanted it to be fresh in my mind, but it is basically the teaser trailer that is just people digging. It's just digging a grave and it's got the title treatment, House of a Thousand Corpses filmed by Rob Zombie. And it instantly captures your imagination 
Because this trailer does not fucking indicate at all what this movie even is. No, exactly. At all. It, what it tells you is that Rob Zombie's making a fucking horror movie. Get yeah. excited. And so every now and again, I would think back to that trailer and I bought that VHS tape. It wasn't like I rented this movie. And so I would go back and I would watch the trailer on the VHS tape because the movie was all right, but I really liked that trailer yeah. and it would capture my imagination. And then you would read the horror periodicals of the day and they would kind of tell you it's coming, it's coming. But delays and delays and delays. And it's not until years later it finally gets released and I rented it from the local blockbuster. And I was, and I remember having to convince my girlfriend at the time, we got to rent House of a Thousand Corpses because it even has, to a non-horror fan, House of a Thousand Corpses is a very antagonistic oh, title. Oh, you love those titles. I know you do. I do. I love yeah. those titles. I loved it too. And I'm usually yeah. not, you know, as easy to hook with something like that. But oh, yeah. knowing that he is a, a monster kid, I referred yeah. to you as a monster kid in yeah, some preamble a... before we started recording. Yeah. He's, I know he's a monster kid. You watch his um, videos, you listen to his music, you read any interviews with him, you know where he's coming from. Yeah. And you see this this trailer that tells you nothing but Rob Zombie's making a film. And this title? Oh my God! How's yeah, a thousand corpses is the yeah. best title ever. And 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 it really was. I want. I meant to count the corpses because there are not a thousand. I'm well, sorry. no. But I. But there for might... anyone that hasn't seen this film, yeah, that you might be disappointed if you're going into it strictly for a thousand corpses. And I and I I got to admit that I my brain had manufactured more corpses than there was, especially in that reveal scene where Denise's father opens up the with the with the deputy opens up that thing yeah in my head i had turned that into a pile a mountain of bodies sort of like the body pit and headless or something that's the sort yeah. of house yeah of yeah yeah exactly like yeah. the body pit and headless that's i keep kind... going to that body pit because i love that body pit specifically no that's a cool body pit. no yeah. it's good gooey i like it yeah. but i finally i finally watched the movie and, and 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 it was coming from this place of rob zombie's one of us Mm-hmm. And 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 I could see a lot of myself because I was a Rob Zombie fan. I liked his music. I liked his attitudes. I liked interviews with him. And the fact that he loved like Universal Monsters and the Munster family. And like I'm into it. I'm into this guy. And I watched this movie. And I did not like the movie. And I'm trying to think about why I didn't like it at the time. Me too, because my brain is like, what, what the fuck is wrong with you, Wes? And I, and I don't want any of our listeners to think that I'm a Rob Zombie hater because he has done films that I like quite a bit. I like Je- Devil's Rejects. I like Lords of Salem. I thought his Halloween remake was interesting. It was all right. Like, it wasn't bad. It was shot really well. He's a good filmmaker. I need to make that clear. I don't dislike him from a technical aspect of the films. But watching this movie again, and admittedly, I have not seen House of a Thousand Corpses since I originally watched it off that blockbuster VHS. Which is my favorite thing to do. I've seen a lot of movies like, oh my gosh, almost 20 years ago and not revisited them <laughs> yeah. since. And I had forgotten a bunch of stuff about this movie, honestly. Yeah. But I think I can kind of pinpoint the points of this film where at the time I would have disliked it quite a bit. And I think that a lot of it comes down to performances from certain actors. Like, I'm not a fan of Sherry Moon's performance in this movie at all. I find it very bad. 
Which is awesome because you and I get along so well usually, Wes. And this is where I think we're done. I think this is where we need to part ways. And uh, we're never going to make it to the hundredth episode. Um, I I need people to understand that, like, if if you're a fan of this movie, I hundred percent get it. And and I know that there's people that listen to our show that are big House of a Thousand Corpses. There's a person sitting across from me that is a big House of a Thousand Corpses fan. Where? I'd like to meet her. I'll hang out with her because I am also a big fan of House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> I think that what Rob did with this film was make a wonderful mash note to a lot of things that he loves. And I know people have called it derivative. People that I respect in the horror journalism industry have referred to this movie as derivative. But and I, I think that's a nasty way to look at it, a real nasty way to look at it, because everyone's influenced by something. Yeah, I, I don't see how derivative has such negative connotations. Yeah, it's derivative. It's fucking hell. Right. Of course it's derivative. Yeah. What are you, dumb? Yeah, I think that some of the cutaways I find very jarring. I, it's just a very cartoony movie, which isn't necessarily a bad thing to me. But I think I went into it thinking I was going to be scared. You and wanted something like a, a deeper, darker, more serious film. You wanted like Last House on the Left, but and I thought and, a thousand and, corpses, and I, and I thought that's what I was getting. And instead, I got a very poppy sort of movie that look where I, and I don't want people to think that like oh you don't like the performances like Bill Mosley, Sid Haig. I'm like these those guys are great. It's they're great. They're real great. What Rob did was launch a thousand ships because you would go to horror conventions. You go on Instagram with horror fans and there's Captain Spaulding everything and people love Otis and 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 and, and so he, yeah, he has created icons and I love that. I love that. Even to small tiny things like jokes about fried chicken and cheap cheap ass Halloween costume t shirt. Yeah. I personally want one and I don't wear t shirts like that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you go to Tumblr or Reddit and people are always putting up gifts of and sequences from this movie it's big and it has a big cult following and and all that type of shit and i watched it again today I, I still don't love it but i don't dislike it as much as i did but you also understand why you dislike things there's a lot of people out there that will scream and yell about not liking mm-hmm. something i don't know why they're going to waste the time hating things that's yeah. the number one thing that always weirds me out about people who take the time to hate things but they usually don't have reasons too if pressed. So at least I know that you have reasons, and I know that it's not that you just hate it for the sake of the 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 namesake and the title. Yeah, I don't want anyone to think that I don't like Rob Zombie, and I don't think he's a good filmmaker. That's what I want to make very clear about this episode. It's really like similar how this movie experienced delays, not unlike the delays that Green Inferno experienced. Oh, the reaction seems to be about similar. Now, I personally didn't like Green Inferno, so they have, as far as I'm concerned, that they have reasons to not like this film because mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't like it either. But whatever, I'm not going to waste time really talking about it because there are like six-hour podcasts devoted to talking about Green Inferno that you can go <laughs> listen to. I know I've mentioned it before. I just think it's surreal. But It's, it's crazy. It's but a fucking valuable podcast. Yeah. It's a valuable podcast to if, listen to. If you want to be as... Uh, the most informed, the second most informed person about the argument, because that'd be the people that made the podcast. Yeah, it'd be but, the third most informed. Yeah, but if you want to be, why does everyone dislike Eli Roth these days? And why does everyone dislike Green Inferno? If you want to never have another question about that argument, there, I got six hours just for you. Yeah, uh, Feedback and Dave Pace sat down and went through it all. It's Jungle Gate volumes one through three, I believe. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> or maybe there's a fourth one. Um, I don't remember, but I did listen to them all at work in a binge 
um, I'd listen to the first one and then the second one, then re-listen to them all. And like, yeah, if you, you will, like Wes said, have every question you ever had about Eli Roth answered. Um, sometimes Chris and I will talk about Eli Roth and Rob Zombie and that sort of problem that they have. Because if anyone wonders what me and Chris talk about, it's usually Rob Zombie and Eli Roth and clothing. But <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Uh, no, we don't talk about Eli Roth and Rob Zombie that often, but... When we do, it's about this sort of thing where people mm-hmm. will hate things for the sake of hating things. They'll listen to other people's negative opinion and jump on that. And sometimes not even watch their films and form an opinion and then waste time talking about why they hate it. If pressed, if they have seen the film, they can't explain why. They don't really have valid reasons. If you just simply didn't like it, that's the only valid reason that you need. Mm-hmm. It just didn't, you know... Yeah blow your hair back yeah that's all anyone needs to ever state instead of like dragging them down and i really think you hit the nail on the head saying that i went into it at the time looking for last house and i got something that was way more comic booky than i thought but a very a very specific love letter to horror and sideshows and all of this great stuff that us as horror fans typically like serial killers you know, all of this shit in one movie. And in a a lot of ways, this is a very experimental film because a lot of people at at the early days of criticism, I remember saying, well, this is just like a Rob Zombie music video. Yeah. Like his music videos were a reflection of his artistic vision because they're talking about songs visually that he wrote. And what I dig about Rob Zombie's approach to this movie is like, you look at house of thousand courses Rob directed it. He wrote it. He a big chunk of the music, with the exclusion of a couple of um, more uh, well-known iconic songs like Brickhouse and shit. Yeah, um, which lo- has become like a staple of his in all his films to like throw in these seventies Mora with the Eagles and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. These are way more uh, fun songs. Yeah, yeah, and 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 he'll do that. But like, and so he's all over this movie. And when Universal was saying we want cuts we want cuts otherwise you're getting an nc-17 rating and that is a death sentence financially speaking and like i was saying i say many times studio people are job people and job people want to keep their jobs and job people want to make money and so this is where art and commerce collide and i don't blame you i don't i'm not like i don't blame universal for wanting cuts because there's controversial scenes in this movie uh, to some people, I don't. I think I don't think um, necrophilia, masturbation. You don't think there's anything wrong with those things? Neither do I. No, I don't. It's not that I don't think that anything wrong with those things, morally speaking. But I think I don't think that at any point Rob is being exploitative with it. No, you know what I mean. And we've like, accepted that this isn't going to influence people to carry out these acts. Well, yeah. who wants anyone to masturbate? People just shouldn't do that. Yeah, I know. That's up to you. But like, yeah, I know. yeah, no, we're, we're beyond that. And we're like, it's not like some sort of satanic panic that we're worried about. Um, it is, yeah, being exploitative or, you know, to move it forward 15 years in the future that it's a trigger warning, right? Mm-hmm. Those sort of things. So yeah. I can understand sort of why they'd hold back on it. Me not caring about commerce all while these news things were breaking. Especially, usually in music magazines was where I would catch up on my House of Thousand Corpses news. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Like not in any sort of mainstream press because there really wasn't any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I just wanted them to re- release the fucking thing. Oh, good. It's going to get an NC-17. Awesome. That's what I want to see. Well, because t- typically speaking, we know like once it has a rating, that means it's locked, loaded, and waiting to go, right? Yeah. Uh, we didn't know. How could we know at the time that, well, that's not going to happen. We don't want an NC-17 rating. If he hadn't been the rock star that he is, he wouldn't have been able to ever release oh, this. Oh, no. It would have been lost or, on a shelf forever. Or, or it would have been wrestled away from him. Yeah. And... Because his name on the marquee was important, very much. So. You don't want him to, to. You don't want him to get so angry at this thing that he goes like Alan Smithy on it. And this was also the time where like a lot of like football players were wearing Minister Jesus Built My Heart Red shirts, which I didn't. I'll never really understand how that happened. <laughs> uh, but like Nine Inch Nails Ministry, uh, White yeah. Zombie were all becoming yeah. like very, very, very mainstream. They were huge. Yeah. They're so huge. people who weren't even horror fans and weren't horror fans that would be seeing this title. And thinking, oh, I want to see Last House on the Left. They'd never seen films like that. They didn't watch horror movies. The they didn't thing. watch extreme horror films. And they didn't watch hard-to-find horror films or you know controversial films whatsoever. They watched, I don't fucking know, Flintstones. What the fuck do people watch? Friends? I don't know what. Why is that where you Dallas? <laughs> Dallas? Dallas? <laughs> <laughs> That's what people watch. If, gang, you heard it here first. If you do not watch grindhouse movies exploitation films or horror yeah just watch friends in the flintstones that's who you are and that's who you'll always be yabba dabba dorks at least i'm half right because dallas did come back on the air didn't it okay good i'm not completely uh off my rocker But they were drawn in by this fucking title, too. So there would have been... You're right. His name attached to this is beyond huge at the time. So, of course, when it did come out, I wasn't the kind of person that I am today where I think it's funny to go and read mainstream reviews of films that I love. Uh, Variety didn't have anything good to say about this, of course. So people would follow suit. Like, the general public that would be reading Variety reviews in 2003 would be like, oh, it's it's dorky, it's a pastiche, and it's silly, and it's not scary, and it's not gory. And we've been promised that it's gory because of all this news, if they've been following it whatsoever, of it seeking rating for so fucking long and suffering cut after cut after cut. So for it to come out and be like, oh, well, it's not gory. Well, what did you fucking expect, you assholes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but... People listened to that and said, oh, well, I'm going to this looking for something gory, and it's not. People are saying that it's not good and the performances are bad. There's more um, There's more gory ideas in the in the movie because the movie talks about, you know, there's kidnapping and there's torture and then there's necrophilia and, and rape and cannibalism. But it's not really presented in a – I would say the most graphic thing – honestly in the film is the cuts to a person getting their face cut off but even then it's more you're looking at the beginning and you're looking at the end of it you're not looking at during yeah it's not like an autopsy video no so i think that you're not watching flesh being peeled back with sinew we kind of are (laughs) in little tiny blips yeah but also it's done in like he'll do it in uh um, uh a different color tone, like a, a monotone, or, or there was tricks. There's tricks to it. And a lot of people did not enjoy that. And uh, I'd love to know. I'd love to ask these people if they've ever seen Natural Born Killers and if they enjoyed that film. Which a movie that a lot of people really liked. Yeah. Because that you're right. That is very very similar. In there, yeah. And it had had lots of time to simmer. 
mm-hmm. in the zeitgeist. So people were used to seeing that sort of thing. And other people had followed that sort of directorial, like, music video, hip-hop montage, many different styles, putting it, splicing in music that does not work and, like, older music and things like that. So they had done this, like, Quentin Tarantino, Oliver Stone thing before which when I watched this, I thought, oh, well, it's not like Last House on the Left with Thousand Corpses in it by Rob Zombie. What this is, is Rob Zombie's homage to all of the things he loves about Halloween and horror and showing what an amazing director he is in this sort of like super fun montage. And I thought, I like, I loved it. And I was like, that was way more fun than I ever could have possibly had watching a horror film not since yeah. dead alive had i had that much fun yeah 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 so you went into this back in the day with the, probably the right attitude with, or, or or maybe you were more um were you just more accepting like i don't know what's coming so let's see because i had preconceived notions i had about very preconceived I... notions too and oh, okay. they were smashed immediately okay they were smashed within like three minutes that whole opening the me too i yeah. gotta say because... from like even the horror host, what they had, the Wolfman or whatever, mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. horror host. I was like, oh, great. Because I'm not a universal monster yeah, fan. Yeah, I know you're not. So, and I'm not a real huge horror host fan. Elvira has her charms. Two mm. of them. But, like, I'm not a huge fan of that sort of stuff. So, right away, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's that definitely really? speaking directly to people, horror fans like myself, where you're just like, yeah, horror host, Midnight Madness. Like, you, you get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, then Captain Spaulding at first... At first, I was like, I do not want to watch this fucking makeup, bearded, fucking numb nuts do anything. <laughs> what the fuck is this? This is not horror. Three minutes. That lasted three whole fucking minutes, of course. Because, of course, then shit happens. And I loved it. And I love Captain Spaulding. Let me tell you, watching, watching, watching it now, Sid Haig has become who Sid Haig is. And he's always been a dude that has been in horror shit, you know, back all going all the way. Like, fuck it. Like, you know, Spider Baby. We can go like, to the Roger Corman films and shit like that. Like, Sid Haig has been around horror. I only recently watched Spider Baby after mm-hmm. years of being told I should watch it. And I'm so glad I did. And I'm kicking myself for not watching it sooner. It and not... I love Sid Haig in that. Yeah. yeah. Isn't he fucking amazing in he that? He is amazing. But, but, but this is going to be the film that people are going to remember him till the end of time. He is, as Captain Spaulding, and I cannot overstate this enough, in the same way that there's a perfect blending of character and actor, he is magnifying in this role. It is absolutely amazing. Visually, it's amazing. All of his lines are fucking gold. It's delivered the, the only way that this character works if Sid Haig plays this character. I can't imagine another actor. It's a marriage of character and Absolutely. actor, like you said. That's... Yeah, this is this this is lightning in a bottle. This is absolutely fucking amazing. Rob Zombie knew exactly what he was doing when he wrote this character and exactly what he was doing casting Sid in this role. Do you feel the same about Bill Mosley as yes. Driftwood? Yes. I think that Bill Mosley's career is also legendary in horror and we're going to be getting to what many consider to be his opus as um chop top in texas chainsaw massacre 2 i submit though this is a better performance 
Oh, completely. It is. Um, I and he has far more screen time. Of course, we get a, we get to know the character a little bit better. Chop Chop had a few lines that that really worked. Mm-hmm. That said a lot, carried a lot of weight to help develop that mm-hmm. character. I mm-hmm. would have after watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre two for the first time. I wanted to watch a fucking Chop Top movie. Yeah, and I yeah. wish that they could just do that. Yeah. And and honestly, what what I think is so the reason why. I like Devil's Rejects so much. Uh, and and it's, like I said, it's not my favorite movie in the world. But the reason why I like it so much is because it's more of this. Yeah. It's more of Sid and Bill just fucking being amazing at these roles. So authentic and so intimidating, especially in Devil's Rejects. I don't find I don't find Bill Mosley as scary in this as I do in Devil's Rejects. In Devil's Rejects, his insanity is a little more volatile. Yeah. And you see that he has this proclivity to violence. Where he has a proclivity to violence here, but it's lazy violence. Oh, yeah. He needs, like, half-dead cheerleaders to carve up and someone to turn into fish boy. You know, he's yeah. not out chasing people. He's not as physical. Backed into a corner. Devil's Rejects, he's backed into a corner. Yeah. Right? And like a feral squirrel. He's gnawing through your ankles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And plus, and, but I mean... I think his lines in that too are a little more calculated to be terrifying where this, they're calculated to confuse. Otis in this film, he's kind of um, like pontificating a lot. Like yeah. he's, he's really going on these long rambling speeches that i obviously you can see the um the charles manson of it all in this performance it's definitely what rob had in mind definitely like there's no question about it but i so like when he's especially when he's talking to the cheerleaders it's almost like he's reading like a manifesto off in his head right yeah about what these people represent. And I think that if you were to go back to Texas Chainsaw, which Rob says, I don't know why he needed to say it, but he said, influenced this film. Well, um, his other answer would have been like, what do you fucking think influences me, you dumbass? <laughs> it's like, have you watched the fucking movie? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. obviously the the Firefly family is very similar to the Sawyer family. Mm-hmm. But in the very basic 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 level because i don't like doing that where they're like well it's a fan it's a crazy family of cannibals out out in the the backwoods i'm like yeah yeah you can't really generalize hillbilly horror like that it's unfair yeah. and yeah, i mean that's unfair. what's gonna get you dead when you go out there because you're true. gonna go out there and say well i was th- hoping to take in a hoedown and then they're going to smash <laughs> your car they're gonna smash your car because because did you get a sense that they wouldn't? And for any anyone, just to let you guys know, I don't know how screen scene specific we're going to be for this episode because we're kind of all over the place. But I think like because this movie is so big. And we have so much to say. I mean, and it's not that this plot jumps around. Some people do find the plot confusing and we're going to get I, I definitely found it. the plot kind of jumpy in some spots. I'll put that out there right now. But as a as a as more of a mature adult, mm-hmm. I can definitely follow this movie a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just to jump forward, like these four kids end up on the road in the U.S. And they end up at Captain Spaulding's gasoline, uh, fried chicken and gasoline. It's a, it's a sideshow attraction. Yeah. And these guys seem to be uh, Tim, Jerry, Mary and Denise uh, seem to be writing or at least Tim specifically, Tim and Jerry are writing a book. About these roadside a, a, attractions. Yeah, about roadside attractions, about yeah. Americana, like the things 
these little bits of folksy charm that are on big roadside trips. Captain Spaulding uh, fucks with them too. And this is what I really like about Captain Spaulding's character is the fact that he really plays you hot and cold and where he's just like, oh, we're just a bunch of like hillbillies to you, aren't we? Like just here for you to gawk at. Woo doggy. Like, and, 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 and like Tim is like backing up. Like, scared of him. Because, like, Sid Eggs and Intimate, like, kind of creepy-looking fucker, right? Like, he has a very unique look about him. And, you know, sweet, sweet dude, from what I understand in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, just has a bit of an intimidating look to him. Mother Firefly pulls that same sort of thing, like... Saying like like hot and cold, right? Yeah, are you are you coming here to like laugh at the hillbillies? Is that what yeah, you're doing? Yeah, and, and and honestly, that happens in a lot of hillbilly horror. That's true, and yeah. and the idea and and all goes back to what Toby Hooper accomplished. Toby was in the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was a lot more subtle, but that sense of uh, city slickers coming and invading this territory, invading this home, because they straight up in Texas Chainsaw Massacre invade. Like, they enter the the Sawyer's home without fucking permission. Oh, yeah. It's ultra and, rude. And these kids aren't ultra rude in this. But even, like, later on in the third act, Otis Firefly opens up some of their, their torture, I suppose, or their, like, punishment with these city slickers panting around where you don't belong. Yeah. So it's like, is this the whole reason? No. Yeah. And but then even, it's a lot to do with why this is happening. Because Captain Spaulding even told them, he's like, you don't want to go messing around with this Dr. Satan thing. You mm. don't like, you don't want to be there. And, 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 and so, so they were going, they were traversing where they didn't belong. And even when at the dinner table, um, which is creepy as fuck with those shitty paper mache, Fucking <laughs> paper I mache. like the paper mache masks. I, I, I like them too, but they're very much like, you know, when you see like, I'm sure gang, if you have social media, you'll be seeing like those Buzzfeed photo collections of Halloween from days long past. Yeah. And you'll see like those creepy kids in their paper mache masks and shit like that. That is very much like what Rob was going for Where it's in like, this scene. Make a paper mache mask of like, I don't know, a monster that you've never seen one like, before. Like, what is it? Moving pictures don't exist. Yeah. So you're so, like, I don't know. What is this? Dream about the most horrific nightmare you ever had ever had so it's like this eyeless alien looking thing and what are we going to wear for a costume on we'll just tie straw to you <laughs> that'll yeah. work so you just look like a fucked up scarecrow yeah. like you're not a thing right you're just that and mardi gras influence it's got a very mardi yeah. gras feel as kind well of as like, right yeah and mother fireflies outfit their sort of burlesque show their karen, vaudeville show karen black the uh yeah legendary uh horror icon the now deceased and i wish she would have been able to reprise her role for devil's rejects that would have mm-hmm. been really cool but whatever everyone did an amazing job um where i was almost tricked into thinking it was karen black but whatever <laughs> uh she was she did really really wonderfully in this mm-hmm. really wonderfully and ultra creepy and really gave you that sense of like this was a woman that had grown up through that speakeasy era and was left with fucking nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Good thing she has amazing children that love her and care about her. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. one thing. And she loves her children. Which, you know, maybe that's what people expect from Backwoods. You know, you're you're going to get some help with your getting your car towed. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that the hillbillies are good for. Oh, yeah. Uh, of course, they're not going to have a phone. They should have expected that. But it's also 77. A lot of people didn't have phones or they had party lines which were unreliable especially in the rain and it's raining 
So oh, yeah. even yeah. if they had a phone, it was probably not working anyway. Um, there's going to be a deformed guy, of course, because you're out in the country. Yep. Yeah. Tiny. tiny. Yeah. I'm glad that he um, survived for the premiere of Devil's Rejects because he passed away just after Devil's Rejects, much mm. like um, Grandpa Firefly. Yeah. 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 Dennis Fumple. He died before this could even premiere, which yeah, is sad. It is sad. dedicated in his memory, but. Um, you know, of course, they're going to have a screaming grandpa that's passed out upstairs. Someone has to go collect. They're going to have pickled punks, like fucking miscarried abortions and stillbirths in jars and stuff. Because that's what happens in the backwoods. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so stereotypical and so wrong and so cruel and rude that way in place of those teenagers being rude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Presenting these people as backwoods hillbilly people like you read about. And and also instantly being letting sh- there's a bit of a there's a bit of a twist turnaround you're not really sure about some characters in this film are they good are they bad who are they part of but as in terms of like the main Firefly family we see everything from picking up of a baby to them getting a flat tire was all planned. Yeah. And and they don't make any bones about it. It's very blatant. So we know that the reason why they are now at the Firefly household waiting for their car to get towed and their tire to be fixed is all because, well, they shot their tire out. And this is a very momentous day, Lydia. This is All Hallows' Eve. Mm-hmm. Eve. Very, very important day to this family. <clears throat> yep. Even though that uh, we think it's for kids. Now, do you find that um, both Mary and Denise... Are the very aggressive, rude ones, which was I feel like, like they're very um, hostile towards the family. I feel right from the get go. Oh, completely. And I don't know what it is. If it's their frigidity, if they um, just want to get home, if they're just mm-hmm. stick in the mud kind of girls, mm-hmm. if they're treating all of this fun and frivolity and Halloween as like childish or things that the boys enjoy that they do not, and they're far more serious females. And then they're suddenly confronted with these two very not serious females and Mama Firefly and Baby who are the antithesis of that, Mm -hmm. who want to play in the boys club and be sexual and celebrate Halloween and be childish and seem to be just as powerful women despite Mm -hmm. those things, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe because of them. I'd have to say because of them. Yeah, it seems to be that they're very much on edge around... The, the 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 female members of the Firefly family probably because they are being they are being very flirtatious with uh, the boys. Jerry uh, is a very jokey dude. He's very into all of this. Oh like, yeah, completely. He, he he loves the Firefly family. So so I I get why the 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 guys are there, but what I don't really get is I guess they're the 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 ladies are there just because they're with the guys, right? Like so, unfortunately, yes. yeah. And they also just kind of don't want to be there. They're going back to their fathers or her fathers, right? Right, 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 right. fathers. Yeah. Um, now they are bitchy from the get go. When they get out of the car at Spalding's, they don't want to be there. They don't want to go on the murder ride, which is awesome, and I love the murder ride. And this is where I started falling in love with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was during the murder ride. Yeah, you got to see like mannequins of Ed Gein and Albert Fish and Lizzie Borden, all our favorites. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a few little outtakes and stuff where um, Bill Mosley is dressed up as Ed Gein, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's a really cool little things that Rob Zombie shot instead of using footage. 
he reshot all these like little fictionalized scenes. Which the guy that they cool. got to make up like Albert Fish creepily looked like Albert Fish, like creepily, yeah. right? I guess there isn't a hell of a lot of footage of Albert Fish, right? Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I I loved that. But then like the girls don't want to go on this fucking wild goose chase for Dr. Satan. Yeah. They, well, and, they, 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 they and their father uh, Denise's father's expecting them. Yeah. They've right? had made phone contact, which is good. Um and this is the 70s, mind you. Yeah, and they're probably a little like creeped out cuz like and Jerry's like not helping at all because he's been reading like the Helter Skelter book, which would have been new at the time after the Manson murders. Oh, There's yeah. a bunch of fucking cheerleaders missing from the area. That's I don't, true. They probably heard it on the news on the car. I know that her dad heard the newscast. Everyone's kind of aware that these cheerleaders have gone missing. So, like, women at that time were, like, under threat. High alert, you know. Yeah. And especially those two very typical brown-haired victim-looking girls, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. So, they're on edge. They're tired. They don't want to be there all through this they don't like the fireflies they don't like the fucking vaudeville show which i loved absolutely loved. grandpa firefly is out of control like what like his comedy routine is fucking insane he's just screaming at the microphone jerry loves it jerry totally jerry, jerry loves, loves the fireflies like, he even likes mama firefly who's got her almost has her hand in his fucking pants yeah um he doesn't seem to mind he's cool with that he still does make that faux pas joke about coming out for a hoedown yeah so it's sort of like the beginning of their downfall but i think they were fucked from the get-go i can't really you, wrap my head around do, why do you do you think that they were fucked from the get-go i think they were fucked from the get-go i'm not convinced you think that a few more wisecracks from Jerry and him and Grandpa would have got along just fine? And if I'm, Baby would have like made friends with the girls, they would have just sent them on their merry way? I think so. You think so? I think so, yeah. Then why did they shoot the fucking tire out of their car? I think that they started with probably the intention that they were going to kill them. But then the fact that, like, for the most part, everyone was kind of getting along for the vaudeville show. I'm, like, I'm not entirely convinced. I think it was honestly her... Her, uh, uh, one of the one of the girls uh, shoving baby that was their downfall. Really, I think they were fucked from the get go, and I think that even their reluctance to participate in the dinner time was, you know, even their reaction to Tiny, I think, was part of their downfall. I think they were fucked from the get go, and even if they wouldn't have done any of that, from the moment their tire was shot out, I think that they were fucked with mm-hmm. a capital F. We are swearing a lot, earning that explicit tag. Oh, well, that's fine. It's there for a reason, and we, yeah, haven't been using it much lately. And we're going to probably get all nice and serious heading into Halloween anyway, so this is our, like, you know, our fun Halloween day. Yeah, this is our fucking cartoony, groovy ghoulies, Scooby-Doo episode, because everything's so fucking wild. Yeah, it is, and that's the way I like it, because I'm a wild and crazy girl. Yeah. I'm a fun person, and I like to do fun things. That's not the line. (laughs) Um, but like, I do think that they were fucked from the get go, which is fair. Despite it's just a know, random thought I had that I was like, eh, I'm not sure. Yeah, despite the fact that I still don't know why they're fucked. I don't know why they're fucked. I don't know why they shot the tire of the car when you know you go through all of this and it's like, okay, did they kidnap these people to show them that they should really like Halloween a little more mm-hmm. and shouldn't like think that Halloween is for kids and mm-hmm. Halloween is very important? Is that the point? Is to teach them a lesson that Halloween is very very important and now you can go on your merry way. Or are they cannibals? Is this like a Sawyer family thing? Do they Mm -hmm. need these people to survive because the world has fucked them into a corner that they need to do this? Um, Are they just crazy? 
I don't accept that because crazy people have reasons for the things they do as well. Like, is it for Otis's art? Do they kidnap people for Otis's art? Do they have the cheerleaders there for Otis's art? Do they have the cheerleaders there because they're bored? Is all this because they're bored? Is this, you know, fodder for Dr. Satan, some sort of sacrifice, which we'll get into a little later? Is it a lesson taught that you shouldn't, you're thinking of backwards folk the way that you're thinking of backwards folk? And this is their way of punishing you for thinking like that. What are the reasons that they shoot the tire out of the car? Now, when I fell in love again with this film, because I fell in love with this film like, several say, times. I looking summer loving over here. Oh, gosh. And, like, you know, it sounds like I'm gushing, gushing, gushing. I'll have to say this isn't my most favorite film in the world either. I like it. I happen to like it quite a bit. It's not a fucking top ten. Okay, no, it isn't my top ten. But it's not like a top three. It's not like the opus. It's not like the height of fucking horror filmmaking. But I fucking do like it a lot. Um, when they do get to leave, when everything has reached like a height, they've gone through the vaudeville show. The girl has shoved baby. She's threatened to cut her tits off and shove her down her throat. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's getting kind of high tension here. Then Rufus comes in and says, car's done so that they can leave. Mm-hmm. As they're leaving, when they're trying to get away and they have to get out to unlock the gate... And one of the scarecrows' heads turn, and there's a bunch of scarecrows, and they're all wearing huge pumpkins on their head. I fell in fucking love with this movie. It's not the darkest scene. It's not the grittiest scene of people being pulled out of their car screaming and back to the house. It's not as as abrupt or terrifying as Leatherface grabbing the girl and pulling her back in the door. But it's got all of those same feelings. It's done very theatrically, and it's done very Halloween-y. Because they're all, you know, done up in Halloween masks and attacking the car. Or pumpkin masks, anyway. Or full actual pumpkins, which I really, really like. I loved this. And when it got to this scene, I was like, yes, this is what I came here for. The first time I watched it. I still love that scene, but when I had first watched it, I was like, this is the last house on the left with a thousand corpses in it that I'd come for. Even though we still jump back around in mood to fun well i guess if you can call what otis is doing fun making a little sideshows of his own i guess the guys are gonna have a really good story to tell if they ever live right they found the ultimate sideshow fireflies Mm -hmm. that is true did you enjoy the vaudeville act you said you liked grandpa and grandpa is great i can't watch two scenes in this film and one is grandpa eating Mm -hmm. dinner at the dinner table he's just shoving food on his face he's not even really eating shoving food on his face later when otis has to go take care of things like he always does yeah you know that scene i i can't really look just because i know what it's like when grandpa eats so i just can't watch that and tiny eating cereal out of a dog food bowl i don't mind people eating cereal in a dog food bowl you can eat whatever you want out of a dog food bowl but it's the way tiny's eating i just can't i've never actually seen that scene yeah um so no the vaudeville show is look it strikes me as really weird that the family do you do you ever go to family gatherings and it's the main portion of your family that you always spend all this time with and so it doesn't really seem as fun and so family gatherings where you see where there's cousins or sides of the family that you don't see too often seems more like an event i kind of feel when i'm sitting around at thanksgiving and there's just kind of me my brother my sister my niece my mom i kind of feel well, you know, this is kind of those people that I see all the time. But, like, if I do something with, like, my aunt and all of them and I see all my cousins, like, oh, this is fun. Um, 
I kind of feel like that about the vaudevillers scene. Whereas, like, I get that you guys are super excited about this, but, like, it's all your people that you see all the time. But they do have guests this time. They do have guests that they're putting on this show for. But if they never caught those people, would they just be performing this vaudeville routine by themselves? Well, they'd have dragged some of those cheerleaders down, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, well, there's that. But, so, I mean, the vaudeville routine, it kind of, like, babies is just... Mm. I love it. Yeah, well, I mean, look... The characters and, like, the two dudes watching this love it. I think she looks weird. And the performance is, it's, like, bad lip syncing. I'm like, eh, whatever. I, I, and whereas, like, I don't think Grandpa's uh, stand-up is particularly funny because I can't really understand what he's saying. I get an idea about what he's saying. But I just think the actor's energy in the scene is unreal. It's screaming till the mic gives feedback and things about licking pussies and grandma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I don't yeah. really know. Can't follow him. I can't follow. But him. it's jarring and it's abrasive, and it's you can see from Jerry's reaction that it's hilarious. That, but Jerry's really the only person that's really enjoying. No, the this. girls are fucking hating it, and I think that uh, Bill is like a little bit creeped out by the whole thing. I think this is one of my favorite Rain Wilson uh, bits because I don't really watch like comedy and stuff like that, and that seems to be what he's in a lot of. But he was in recently The Boy. Which was a brilliant performance, I thought, and took him back into, like, horror for me. You know, I think that these are his only two titles I can think of that he's in. But, yeah, he um, is sort of, like, siding with the girls by this point. I think he was going along with it and more interested in the writing. But then Mm -hmm. after the vaudeville routine and everyone starts fighting, he's definitely just another one of the girls, right? And he just wants to leave. And is not a fan of the fireflies at all. Yeah, and believe me, when after after it's time to go, they are they are all like go 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 go. Like Bill is like I almost would tell Bill, man, drive through that gate yes. if you can drive through that gate. Hit the fucking gas. It's the seventies. This car can take it. Yes. Yeah. But he and 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 pays for it because he gets beat the fuck up and Jerry gets beat the fuck up and then cut to they're all separated into different rooms and they're going to go through particular uh, torture. Not Bill though. Bill is going to become a new attraction for something. We might we we can tie it all together once we see the ending. But he's going to be Fish Boy because Otis is an artist and that's yeah. what he does. And I think that that's a lot of the point of the cheerleaders too. Uh, aside from having like treater trick carved on their bodies and stuffed into the trunks of cars mm-hmm. or like just being hanging around and keeping baby company, someone mm-hmm. for her to chat with and talk to and mm-hmm. play fun horror trivia games with or whatever it is that she does in her spare time. Um, aside from all of that, I think that they're sort of eventual fodder for these creations of Otis, I swear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that... Um... The, the various forms of of, of torture that the, that the people are put to is rather light. Jerry gets his scalp cut, uh, which I, it's not light, but it's... no, he's sort of treated like he's going to be their pal. Yeah. Where uh, Bill is definitely just treated like um, you know material for creating this art piece of Fish Boy. Mm-hmm. Where Jerry, they almost treat like you know you're going to hang out with us for a while, tied to a chair with knives thrown at you at the wall or whatever you know, mm-hmm. but you're going to like hang out with us until you die. Which is, is maybe why they do this. I still can't wrap my head around why they're doing this. And I think I've always wanted that sort of answer. And I don't know if that's why some people have problems with this. I know that I know that um, the attitude 
we talked about this before we went, but I said that they're crazy. They're simply and purely crazy. And I know that you say crazy people have motivations, which they do. I'm not denying that whatsoever. But I'm saying that the level of thought that was put into it is they're crazy. Okay. So that's like because wizards. It's because crazy. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to say something nasty about about what Rob Zombie was trying to create with these things. But I think what Rob went into this doing was he wanted a family like the Sawyers or like um, the family from the Hills Have Eyes, like that. And so he to so he needed that and he put it into his movie. And I don't think that he thought, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm dead wrong. Maybe he has this really big explanation that I've just never heard. But to me... It's very surface level. I'm not reading a hell of a fucking lot into this. And I can tell you that I'm doubly not reading a lot into it when we get to this film's sequel and what Rob Zombie's ultimate explanation for the ending is. Where I where I say, okay, well, he just doesn't care. Like, it doesn't matter. He just put it in the movie because fucking wizards. Because wizards, because and it was because he could and because he wanted to, and yeah. like you, you want to have the scenes as Doctor Satan guy. Why I don't know, just because Doctor Satan. That's why. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have trouble. Like I don't want to be like, yeah. Well, Rob Zombie, I'll just delete what you said, and I'll imagine that this all actually did happen, and Doctor Satan exists because I want Doctor Satan to exist very, very, very much. I want Doctor Satan to exist. Believe me. Yes. It doesn't. Don't we all? I want him to be a video game. I mean, yeah, really, cool. honestly, I love Doctor Satan. I want to hold Dr. Satan's show as much as I wanted a Chop Top show because I've got the fucking Otis show. This is this and Devil's Rejects is the Otis show. I've yeah. got that. I want a Dr. Satan show mm-hmm. pretty bad. But like, you know, the, everyone wakes up the next morning and it's Halloween proper. Mm-hmm. We're done celebrating All Hallows Eve. Now mm-hmm. it is Halloween. It's the special day, mm-hmm. which seems almost less special in the daylight. Yeah. Yeah. But by the way, even though these guys have only been missing for less than 24 hours, Overnight. Denise's father knew that they were being expected, and he's got connections with the police. Yeah, he's so. an ex-cop, and yeah. he is um, pretty worried because he knows that the kids are smarter than to get stuck somewhere. They're more diligently. They would call and let him know. So wherever they are, they're really stuck, and they can't call. So he's immediately worried, and these cheerleaders have gone missing. And he's an ex-cop, so he just knows the area, and he's like a little scared for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he knows his daughter isn't like, he knows his daughter isn't foolhardy. Nah, they seem like a bunch of responsible kids. Jerry, I'm kind of, eh, I don't know. He seems like a bit of a fuck up to me. But it's just because I generally don't like people that are loud like that. Yeah. Um, Bill, Mary, and Denise, fuck yeah. Like, they seem like good people. Mary is such a bitch. I don't know. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't hang out with Mary. She's not having a good night. Yeah. I guess so. She looks like she's never had a good night ever in her life. You know what? I bet you uh, sitting at home with a blanket over her legs with a tea is her fucking hot jam. Her slow jam. I think she'd probably still have a grimace and be pitchy. Like, I really do. I really do. I <laughs> sometimes, people, sometimes people frown and they're still happy on the inside. True. Just like you. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, okay. Maybe okay. maybe what you don't like about her is you see way too much of yourself in her. <laughs> Touche. Except I would be on that murder ride and I'd want to go again. Oh, yeah. You would, yeah. And like all of a sudden you would just manifest pigtails. Like they would just show up. <laughs> you wouldn't even do anything. Your hair would just like turn into pigtails. It's not even my final form. 
so let's get into this Firefly family. Now, what do you fucking think this ritual is? Because it seems very much like they're gearing up for a ritual. And we see what the final fucking thing is, right? It's a ghost concert. Is <laughs> <laughs> to be an asshole. It's a, it's a ghost concert. Even when the first time I ever saw a ghost, I was like, "Hey, it's Otis Firefly mm-hmm. on Halloween night." Yeah. Now, by the time that the police finally make it to the house, because... Officer Wydell, whose brother we meet in Devil's Rejects, yeah, so his death yeah, yeah, plays yeah. into the story quite heavily. Yeah. Um, Which I, I dig quite a bit about the sequel of this movie. I love when sequels are a direct result. Right. Oh, exactly. And they have that like, hey, you look like him. I remember you. I, he was your kin, wasn't he? Like, that's a, that's a creepy scene if you were into this film the way that, you know, any of the fans were. Um, Steve Nash, the other cop who gets shot by Otis in one of my favorite scenes of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, a very another Oliver Stone type scene, this crazy long shot. You know what's crazy? I thought when I first saw this film that the screen actually froze. It wasn't until I saw it today that I was like, oh, no, no. It's just a very, very slow pullback. It's neat to know that you've only seen it once. Because the very first time I watched it, I thought that there was something wrong with my um, player as well. I thought there was something wrong with my player too. I watched it again immediately and I was like, damn, that scene's long and that's quiet and that's awesome. You can hear, unfortunately, you can hear when the sound comes back in. I wish that it had been faded in a little better before the gunshot. But because that clued me in, that's what made me think it was a glitch the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. But I love that scene. And there's a lot of people that don't like that scene, especially the music and the fact that this could be a super intense scene. You want to know what Otis is saying, because it's going to be some of his primo fucked up shit. If you thought that he wasn't making sense before and he was a little scary, he is probably making perfect fucking sense now. But you can't hear a thing he's saying because it's all mute and slow-mo with a song over top. Mm-hmm. And... Which Rob Zombie loves to do. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's an effective technique, especially with this sort of tension. It bleed, the, the song does bleed the tension out because what ends up happening is is uh, Denise's father, a deputy, and the lieutenant, a police lieutenant, go to this household just asking questions. Now, uh, Denise's father and them are snooping around and they go to this back shed. They open up this shed. Now, in my mind, the shed that they opened up had a thousand bodies in it. That's where the thousand corpses should have been. But yeah. like, but when I, I was like, oh, they don't have a thousand bodies in it. They probably, it looks like they have about five or six. A couple not, of dead cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Look, it's not no bodies. <laughs> but, there must have been a thousand corpses there at one time because you saw that shoe collection. You saw that shoe collection and then the graveyard that's out by Dr. Sand. That's a lot of people. You, you, I. I feel like there's enough hints that say, yeah, yeah, House of a Thousand Corpses, I get it. And then in the sequel, when they're tearing through that place, yeah. there's all kinds of fucking bodies. It's almost as bad as Pig Farm. It's like Pictons. There's fucking yeah. bodies everywhere. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Now, like, this scene, like, when the father finds his daughter, I think that a lot of people wanted a lot more out of it. Mm-hmm. They wanted a more of a breakdown. They wanted him to rescue her. They wanted him to not be so freaked out by seeing his daughter naked chained bloodied and and stumble away from it the exact opposite reaction we think that people mm-hmm. would have but it was probably a little more accurate a mm-hmm. little more closer to home than people would like to admit. or the very least he was maybe he's getting to the car to get another gun or something get to the radio i think in most people like and this is why like uh, americanized hollywood horror uh, annoys a lot of horror fans so much is because the Americanized Hollywood horror dad 
would go in and save the day. He wouldn't need another gun. He wouldn't care what the cops are doing. He wouldn't care that someone's getting shot outside. It's like him and his daughter, right? But he does the a lot more human, a lot more realistic, and a lot more closer to horror roots about man versus man. He stumbles back, shocked, probably speechless, but we don't know because there's a song over top. There's a song over top. He gets lit the fuck up by um, Otis. And then like we have that slow scene where the cop gets up. Now Mama Firefly, she pulls out the gun while the lieutenant is on the radio and just gets like smoked right in the fucking side of the head. It's a good shot, um, both literally and uh, artistically. And... I love the look on her face when she has a gun because she's all simpering and like weirded out by the cops being there to begin with and like making jokes about like pictures yeah. of like Dwight Schrute being like, isn't he on TV? <laughs> but, but, so the crazy thing, uh, the only thing that make, puts chaffed in the idea that the Fireflies are truly and simply crazy yeah. is the fact that they are able to turn it off. Yeah. Because when baby Firefly is talking to people buying liquor and stuff like that she can sound not crazy yeah same thing with mama firefly she can sound not crazy so can captain spaulding so can otis yeah he can he can he kind of has like this menacing aura about him he's the least crazy when dealing with grandpa yeah yeah but who how crazy am i suppose so they they can turn it off that is the only thing because if you're truly insane and as a family of insane people I don't think they can turn it off. It'd be more like living in the spider baby household and the Mary yeah. household because they are, they can't turn it off and they, they are. They can't crazy. turn it off and you, and they would, and th- they can't turn it off and they would be, and, and they would basically need a caretaker to, to look after them, much like Lon Chaney Jr. in Spider Baby. Yeah. Now, when, uh, we're talking about Spider Baby a lot. I feel like well, it's, it's kind of hard not to, especially with uh, Sherry Moon's uh, performance in a lot of ways. It's less manic though. In Spider Baby, I feel. But anyways, um, when um, when this has all come to pass, comes up what a lot of people really... It's a standout fucked up scene to a lot of people. Um, I remember the first time I saw it, and I was like, well, I've never seen that before. Is where her father's face is skinned. You know that Otis has a, a way with taxidermy. His face is skinned. Otis comes down wearing the chest piece and the face of Denise's father. And then, like... Who's your dad? Who's your daddy? Has this speech, which I actually kind of enjoy. Yeah. The, the rhyme uh, is funny. And and then, like, tries to, like, make out with her. With her dad's, like, skinned face on his face. So, it's... Yeah, that's a pretty fucked up thing. But again, it could have been so much darker. But the tone of the movie is such that it's, everything's in keeping with the tone. So, even though... It's kind of one of those things where you have to say it out loud. He killed her father. <laughs> he cut off her father's face. Yes. He wore it as a mask. Yes. While she's chained to a ceiling with her two friends, he makes out with her with a gross, like, tongue sticking through. It's almost like a zen cone. And When, when and, I watched it, I thought about what my father would think of watching that scene. Yeah. And I was just glad that he wasn't in the room watching it with me for the first time. I'm sure we watched this movie together as a family a couple of times. But taking everything, I take a lot of what I see in horror back to, like, what would my parents have to say about this? Because I watched so much fucking movies with them. Um, But that was one of the few, like, father moments in horror where I was a little taken aback, admittedly, because that is deeply fucked. Um, 
But I love everything about that scene and what he's doing to their psyches. And just that is Otis's art, I suppose. Yep. Now, when we get to the final sequence of this film, there's only 88 minutes. It's not a very long picture. We are brought into something that's far more ritualistic. Otis is done up in that makeup that makes him look like he's fucking from Ghost. Yeah. And... It's funny, like, the who's your daddy goes into looking like Papa. Yeah. Oh. oh I, didn't, yeah, I, didn't put deep, two, huh? I didn't put that together. Jesus. Um, he's got some nameless ghouls. He does have nameless ghouls. He has nameless ghouls. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is a ghost video. I just cracked that do you, wide do you open. Think that, do you think that the, the boys from Ghost saw this movie and were like, that's our band? Well, if they did, they would have named their band Dr. Satan. Oh, you know what? I bet you they would have. I'm not saying they haven't seen this movie. Oh, of course they have. I bet you. Anyways, um... Denise wakes up dressed as Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. That's, like, my favorite thing. But then she got a bunny costume over it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Do you... Like, the the bunny thing comes in play because, like, why are they rabbits? And uh, Otis pulls off this rhyme about run, rabbit, run, when one of the girls eventually escapes and then Sherry Moon, well, baby Firefly... Chases her down. If there is a oil painting that I would like to own that is taken from scenes from horror films, and there's a couple of them, one of them is that final moment where Sherry Moon is crouched over top of the girl in the bunny suit Mm -hmm. and has stabbed her numerous times with her little saying about um, the shoo-shoo said the maiden, Mm -hmm. come sit on my tail and ride with me to my rabbit hutch. Um, That whole scene is amazingly lit it's amazingly acted, I think. I I believe that she is that fucking crazy. I'm scared. And I think that everyone's just going to die because she's just going to run around chasing everyone, screaming, shoo, shoo, said the maiden. Uh, it's very, very scary. But when they pull back a little and you get the side profile of the two girls in the graveyard, it is such a beautiful scene of her licking the knife and everything. I love that scene. And even in the moment, you're sort of like, how did we fucking get here? What the fuck? This movie was about two people and their girlfriends stopping at a roadside attraction. And here we are the next night, Halloween night, with this ritual just after like the the fucking foreplay ritual with dad, the dad mask, into this fucking weird thing with like fire and crosses in the graveyard. And they're all made up and they're having like tape recorded what sounds like a chance like it's very 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 crazy really when you get here but then we go underground wow yeah this sequence when i first saw the movie was a sequence that i quite enjoyed what the fuck do you even say it is a maze full of ghouls and horrors previous victims like yeah the man in the bunny outfit that's what many people just and that's what i would think is that he's just been down there so long he's probably half blind and mad yeah um You've got sort of this Alice in Wonderland, March Hare, mm-hmm. uh, White Rabbit sort of thing going on mm-hmm. uh, underground, mm-hmm. which is a hellish, like mm-hmm. this hellscape with this through the looking glass. And it is that. It is a hellscape. It is a descent into what you could even almost artistically say is the madness that is the Firefly family. Mm-hmm. It is this pit of different levels of hell, of simple ghouls, of lost souls, of demons and monsters. This is where um, Dr. Satan lives. So I suppose this is exactly where all the fireflies come from because that is their birthright. Mm. This insane doctor. 
who at this point looks like a fucking like pumpkin head fusioned with a cenobite like it's crazy i love his look so much like and i can't say it enough i can't say it enough yeah and it's hard to really say what he looks like he looks like a human demon steampunk mechanical spider creature yeah like you can see that so obsessed with surgery and performing operations that he has turned himself into a bit of a, a cyborg a meat robot thing that has like extra arms on him that he can perform surgery there's syringes at the end of things there are previous patients of his that I think have... he ever makes jokes to himself where he's like no scalpel and there's one of his arms gives him a scalpel and he's like oh you <laughs> i mean oh me <laughs> i'm the best when um and we should see that's where jerry is now jerry is being performed on by dr satan the person most obsessed with dr satan the person who was the driving force behind them wanting to meet Dr. Satan, find Dr. Satan's grave, is now the patient of Dr. Satan. Yeah, he's found him all right, that's yeah. for sure. And and it's one of those moments where, well, you really got what you wanted, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. And it's good to know that, you know, even though you weren't 100% enjoying this film when you first watched it, and enjoying it a little more now, but still, like, not the biggest fan, you can still see through all of those things. Mm -hmm. And... I wish that more people who like shout down Rob Zombie or don't like to like would would encourage other people to not see his future films mm -hmm. if they would just accept that or understand the things that they like and don't like about it mm -hmm. and be able to explain it if not only to themselves mm -hmm. to others if they're going to feel the need to spout off about it but mm -hmm. like um Dr. Satan has a henchman and, and you could this is the destroyer this is the muscle this is the menace this is right. the uh, where the Red Queen would be saying off with her head. This mm, is mm. her night, you know, yeah. in a way, if we're playing with this Alice in Wonderland theme. Or... Mm -hmm. And she's dressed as there's rabbit. She's dressed as Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Why not? Yeah. We're, she's through the fucking looking glass. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, but while this fucking like gas masked, what do you call him? Just like this big, mean, muscular menace right like he's so dangerous looking and chasing her down through the hallways like what could you do like you can't fight this guy like he looks fucking indestructible to me right and so denise is running away from him meanwhile baby and uh who, who's the other brother rufus is, yeah yeah the, uh, or maybe it's tiny anyway they bring the body of mary to uh a pyre and they're going to uh while otis dressed up like some sort of cultist satanic thing uh it looks real cool bill mosley and all that makeup looks great i think this is the sort of thing that the large public uh, in the 1970s not now when this was made but when this was supposed to be taking place this is what the public had expected that the manson family were doing probably yeah rituals of some kind reading as they're burning this pyre like mary has become part of this ritual that takes place on halloween it seems like something very specific to the fact that it's Halloween. And even then I'm still like, what, is this to appease the under the is this to appease the nameless ghouls underground? Is this um to appease the gods of Sam Hain? Is this like why is why are they doing this? I still grapple. I'll always grapple. There's like, things to grapple why? because you could easily say, well, they're just previous victims. And I'd say, mm, counterpoint, some of those fucking ghouls are just submerged. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then and then when Jerry and and uh, uh, Denise are pulled away from each other 
they resubmerge into the water. I'm sorry. That's they're not human. That's not alive. No, like, and the henchman, because I don't know what you would call him, the axe wielding madman that looks superhuman when he takes his what is a respirator, I suppose, but his yeah. like mask off. He's gurgling green slime out of an orifice, not even a mouth. So he's he doesn't, like not human. Yeah, he doesn't look like a human being at all. Yeah. They look like maybe at one point they could have been human. They look humanoid. Yeah. But even Dr. Satan looks like a fucking like lizard, dragon, spider, mechanical mm. thing. Like it doesn't, they don't look like anything that ever exists. And let me tell you something. Rob Zombie says that they don't exist. Hmm, which makes me so sad. This, this is one of the things that drives me crazy. Like, anyone who's listened to the show knows that this is a pet peeve of mine. I cannot stand when when things are when I'm told things are a movie, when th- told things are a dream. That's why I have a problem, a big problem, with the, the sequels to The Human Centipede. Because, again, it is just this big, weird circle of fiction. I love that about Human Centipede. I love, love, love that. And I love, like, Grave Encounters, too. It, it, yeah, Grave super Encounters, meta too, like is, that. Is, is like that as well. I love that. Um, I love that. It's almost admitting that their art is, is art and doesn't even matter. It's great. I love that's it. But, tr- especially if people were found the first film so controversial or so mm-hmm. scary, and then the sequel, the authors are saying that it was fake and... You should know that it's fake. Denise had quite a few dreams um, through this. And I think that one of the problems that I would have with this, if I had a problem, my only problem is that Dr. Satan doesn't exist. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Mary has a dream sequences when they're first woken up at Spalding's. She has a dream sequence when she wakes up dressed as Alice. She has a small sequence when she passes out, when they're all tied in the round with the who's your daddy um, show. I mm-hmm. guess, for lack of a better word. Um, she does have these very fleeting, small sequences that are dreams of hers. But there are so many scenes cut in, in this like rock music video montage style, mm-hmm. that it's hard to discern. It is hard to discern. And, and for our listeners that don't know what we're talking about, so there is a sequel to this film called The Devil's Rejects. And it takes, it, 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 it moves our characters from the Firefly family as antagonists to the protagonists of their own film. And they become on the run from the law. And uh, Rob Zombie does a, a, a magic trick of, of making humanizing these very inhumane characters, which I think is really clever. And that's why I like that movie so much. And not only like forget the fact that, again, it's Sid Haig and Bill Mosley just being magnetic in those roles, electrifying. But... It is a much more serious film in a lot of ways. There's some there's some fucking funny moments in the sequel as well. Like I'm not gonna take it like tutti fucking fruity. Like I love that. Um, and there's a couple of other sequences in Devil's Rejects that's really funny too. But there is this baffling sequence at the end of House of a Thousand Corpses that needs to be fucking addressed. And Rob Zombie, who is the director and author of this world now, yeah, says that 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 was a dream sequence. It does it didn't happen. So they, no, so they, like, carried them out, they killed and burnt Mary, they buried Denise alive, she had this dream, and then clawed her way out. Yeah. Because where she's clawing her way out, what's happening in her quote-unquote dream, which I think is reality because I love Dr. Satan so very, very much, Mm -hmm. uh, she's underneath in what almost looks like old rail tunnels or mine shafts, is a lot what it looks like. Yeah. Um, And she's running away from this axe-wielding, mad, humanoid-type fucking creature. And 
she is triggers a collapse and that's the only way that she could get away because like you had said like there's no way you can fight this guy no i don't even like i don't even know what you would do like like what like it doesn't seem like that wouldn't end with you getting chopped in half yeah yeah no there's no way to stop him the only thing that stops him is his own fucking world yeah uh, having it work against him by collapsing Mm -hmm. now i'm sure there's people that watch this fucking movie i'm sure that watch this fucking movie got to the sequence and said, yeah, obviously this is a dream because there's nothing real that could possibly be happening. And even though this movie is weird and the Fireflies are a very flamboyant cast of characters, this movie still is very much set in a real world. And like this, Dallas? Like Dallas. And this is a very real world and this is a very unreal thing that happened so the re- so obviously this is a dream and, and, and well you can say that going through the end of texas chainsaw massacre 2 which we will do which, we'll which do, seems yeah. very nightmarish underground well it's not really underground but it looks yeah, underground. yeah 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 and it's got the exact same sort of feel like he really dialed it and when i was watching this the first time and still i am back home in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Which is probably not an accident, what we know about Rob. Oh, of course not an accident. But, like, that doesn't feel like a dream to me. It is surreal, and it shouldn't be happening, and it is wrong, and it shouldn't exist, and it's just way too big. It's way too big for us to comprehend it existing, the world of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. It's terrifying, although based on true story. But, like, very, very terrifying. This whole chili contest thing. That is fucking fucked up. But anyway. Um, so for someone to be watching this and be like convinced before they were even told that it was a dream sequence. That's crazy to me because I did not think that. I just thought me either, in but, this world, but, this is how fucked up shit is. But I'm wondering, is it just because we're both very, we're very literal people? Like, is that what it is? Like, we're yeah. just very literally interpreting. Because I'm very much like. This is what I'm being shown. This is what I'm being shown. And that there is no indication that this is a dream sequence. There is no indication that this is not happening. Therefore, it's happening. Which is why I don't like people retroactively applying film theory to things that don't happen in the movie. I'm like, sorry, that didn't happen in the movie. If you want me to believe something happens in this story, it's got to be in the movie. Unless you need to retcon it. Like, need to and retcon that's, it. And that's what I think this is. It's I, not necessarily because why can't Dr. Satan exist? Because I think... Mr. Zombie... Uh, this is a direct question to you. Like, I, well, I, I, I don't want to speak yeah. for Rob Zombie, but I think that he just opened up a too big a can of worms. Devil's Reject was made for less money than House of a Thousand Corpses. And I'm sure of the seven million figure that this movie cost, which is not a lot of fucking money, it's but not. I'm sure a lot of that was probably the the effects for the monsters yeah. and the effects for the final sequence. Making Dwight into Fishboy. Making Dwight into Fishboy. Because honestly, like, otherwise, I would be like, seven million bucks? Where'd you spend it? It couldn't have been... Where would they spend it? This I don't movie, know. What does it cost to film at Universal? That's a good point. But they would have saved money by shooting on a lot. And... Rain making, rain machines. The amount of... But like, there's The like, meticulous filmmaking that went into this, I can sort of see where, like, my favorite is, like... And I don't want to, like, get into the director's commentary because I don't usually listen to them and I don't usually use them for fodder for the show... But there is a point when Rob Zombie points out that the scene where they're putting a mop into a bucket of bloody water took four hours to shoot because they had to light it and the lighting just wasn't working out. But four hours to light and shoot that. Four fucking hours for like what, 15 seconds of screen time. That no one's going to remember. You were saying like, remember that bucket scene? I'm like, no. <laughs> I remember that scene because I, I did always like that's a really good 
bloody mop in the bucket of water thing. But um, that's that level of diligence was but, present throughout. And I'm not trying to take away anything from his filmmaking. My point, I guess, no. being is like this film really is four locations. So like I'm just sometimes the part the, the part of me that like likes to break down film finances. Yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, so I think I look at what's the most expensive set in this piece. The most expensive set is the entire quote unquote now dream sequence at the bottom. Yeah. That is the most expensive. Yeah. Because that is like that is a complete building of sets. Like that is complete like everything's manufactured. You have the ghouls that all need to be made up. You have Dr. Satan. There's animatronics working. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of fucking shit going on in this film, in this sequence. And 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 so I'm wondering if that's why he thought it, if he wanted to just, maybe that was too far flung into fantasy. Uh, a lot of alliteration, but... Maybe, and Satan's alliteration too, because F is the sixth letter of the alphabet. So. And also the first letter in fuck. But anyway, so maybe in, an, in, in a, perhaps a misguided attempt to make things more grounded and more realistic, Rob Zombie decided to just leave out the end sequence and say, meh, dream. And again... Or it was supposed to be all along and we were just too dumb to notice, which I hate to say because we're not dumb, but because it didn't end with a fucking alarm clock going off. It was all the dream. Yeah. But what it does end up with is... Denise is our final girl. Like we've seen a lot of final girls walking down the roadside and she gets picked up by none other than Captain Spaulding himself. Oh, thank God. A friendly face. A friendly face. Now, we, Captain Spaulding is a very jarring fella, real jarring fella, but he seemed friendly and he was very cooperative with the police. He wasn't trying to do one of those things like in Psycho where, where Bates is like, oh, I don't know. I've never seen this person. Oh, yeah. He and, told them, like, I drew them a map. This is where I sent them. Yeah. I went to go and chase this whole like dr satan thing yeah, yeah and i think and i always thought when i was watching psycho i was like you know if he just said yeah yeah she stayed here last night and uh, see there's i saw her i was like but she didn't call herself by that name here's her registry if he went that route i was like there's no way anyone would have suspected him because he's just yeah she stayed in an inn and then she left i guess yeah and so we don't know where he is but like so captain spaulding had the right thing but oh uh, who's in the back seat there it's otis it's, otis. it's bill mosley himself and i don't know how otis got there so fucking quick. I don't know what Otis is doing lying down in the back of the car unless they knew that she had escaped, which I don't see how because they just close up that pit and then they just leave. Like they don't. Yeah. Like that seems to be like the Go eat the, some fried chicken or whatever. Go eat some fried chicken, um, which I could go for right now. But I think that. Um, he might have like, you know, they were palling around. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason. Look, there's no reason. Like, I'm not going to. Now, why was Otis in the back? So like that, I'm not going to fucking sit here. And but if he, that. whether he's in the back seat, you know, for whatever yeah. reason, he's in the back seat. He would have seen her up the road and be like, oh, shit, look who got out. I'm going to just like hide and you pick her up. OK. Yeah. You know, again, just kind of like a mind fuck. Right. Let her yeah. relax for two seconds and then boom, back in Dr. Satan's clutches. Mm -hmm. Credits. Lovely. Mm, yeah, lovely. Not, not bad, because whether it's a dream bad. sequence or not underground, we end up with a with that that same end game of uh, bloodied fucking broken girl. Well, she's dead. Walking down the and, road, and she's dead. Like that's yeah. the main thing you need to know. She's dead. So, yeah. like, that's it. Um, and so the only so it's a it's a it's kind of a bleak ending, weird ending, and I could see people not liking it. And like you said, the the cachet of this film. The it did get released into theaters. This was not a film that got released in theaters. Not to, like. Like, this was not the type of movie that got fucking made anymore. And like I said, when it comes to why Rob Zombie decided to put all of this fucking shit, like, throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall. This is a very kitchen sinky type of horror movie. It's just because I always got the impression 
that Rob probably had never done a feature-length film before, wanted to do a feature-length film, never thought he would, or maybe suspected that he might never get another opportunity to do another horror movie again. So I'm just putting every single element that I can possibly think of that I liked from other horror movies in this horror movie. And so if this is the last horror movie I ever get to make, well, then I just shot my fucking wad and it's done. Uh, and there should be no regrets. Now, obviously, he couldn't imagine and no one could have imagined that Rob Zombie kind of more known as being a filmmaker these days. Yeah. I mean, he's got like he, he's still he got, even though he said, oh, you're going to step away from horror. And then he, he keeps he, coming back he, to us he, with horror. He definitely said that. And I think I made a snarky comment about thank God. But like, because uh, I think I just saw Halloween too, and I was just, I was so incensed. He's got that film thirty one out nowadays, and it looks cool. So it is. I've actually seen it, and I really enjoyed it very, very much. It's going to have the exact same problems that House of a Thousand Corpses has. It already has those exact same problems. It seems. It seems like not the problem of it not being released because he crowdfunded that film. Yeah. So it's de- it was definitely going to come out. I'd have to caution, like, anyone who's interested in seeing 31, the same people that were interested in seeing Lords of Salem, you know, if you're interested in seeing a film for the namesake, like, just ignore what anyone else has to say. I had begun listening to what people had to say about Lords of Salem. I ended up enjoying it quite a bit. If I would have listened to anybody else and not seen it, I ended up buying the book that he had written uh, with his co-author, whose name is eluding me right now. I'd covered it on a, a typical books video on my YouTube channel. And I did enjoy the book very, very much. So then I went into the film with my own expectations, thank God, instead of listening to anybody else. Um, yeah. Same with 31. There's a lot of, like, negative buzz for what reason. I don't know. But... Looked like a fun... I've seen... I've only seen the trailer. Looked like a fun... I had a lot of fun with it. I had the same sort of fun I had with House of a Thousand Corpses. It's mm-hmm. a lot more fun and it's a lot more like that than... Lords of Salem, and I don't know who I just shot in the foot for saying that because there's people that don't like this movie and don't want him to be like that. They want more Devil's Rejects. You know, they want the opposite end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was one of those people who didn't really enjoy House of a Thousand Corpses but loved Devil's Rejects to the point of watching it multiple times, calling me the first time she saw it to make sure I watched it. You know, that sort of buzz was generated. I think that um, for what Rob Zombie had, the reason why I don't, the reason why I'm not like, fuck Rob Zombie, stop making movies. Well, at least not anymore. Like, because sometimes I say snarky things about it. But um, my honest opinion is, 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 you know, I, I follow a lot of horror people on social media, Instagram, Twitter, all that kind of shit, Tumblr. And one of the things is you look in the backgrounds of their photos, you look what they're watching, you look what they're reading, you look at like whatever poster they got going on or whatever toy or little horror thing that they got going on. And there's always a House of a Thousand Corpses thing in and around there. People love, people love this fucking film. People love these characters. And so what I always try to remember, I was like, this dude, it may not be everyone's cup of tea, but the people that love this fucking movie love it a lot. And he's brought a lot of joy to people's lives. People see themselves. You want to talk about like what horror characters we identify with or, or you know, the big trend on, on Facebook these days or Twitter or whatever is like three characters that encapsulate my personality. And I definitely see people like, especially about horror fans, like I'm totally Captain Spaulding. Like I'm totally that. Or I'm oh, I to- could definitely I- put Baby in yeah. the next, like Baby and Lydia Dietz and maybe Gurr, I guess. And people would say that's exactly you, Lydia. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. Even just like Lydia Dietz and Baby. Lydia Dietz and Baby. 
Jeez, who else? Let me think. There's a good one, but I feel like they're so close, baby, and fu- and Firefly. Jeez, um, I'm trying to think of a very OCD character. May. There you go. So May, Lydia Dietz, and Baby Firefly. Because I need that a compulsive disorder. <laughs> I need that present. <laughs> Anyways, so for that, for that contribution to horror, that undeniable contribution to horror i say shine on keep making it because the people that loved your shit man love it a lot and and i don't think it's my job or anyone's job to say that he's not a good filmmaker he doesn't know what he's doing because it's wrong it's just wrong it's just wrong Mm -hmm. he might not be speaking to you what he makes might not be to your taste but it is meticulous it is well executed and it buzzes some people to the point that they will fucking shape their lives around it. Like I've shaped the podcast around this exact movie. This is the whole reason that I ever agreed to record one word. So we could eventually <laughs> get to House of Thousand Corpses. I'm lying. <laughs> but it is a perfect Halloween movie too. So all of that aside, if you want to have some fun with a, like you said, Groovy Ghoulies-esque, you know, fun rock and roll montage. Oh, it's that. It's Halloween and horror fandom oh yeah it's house of thousand corpses is super crazy fun oh fuck Um, yeah next we're going to be going into hellions which is way more serious another film that people didn't really like i think because they went into it expecting something else i've never seen it but i like the box and i like the title of the movie so see i think a lot of people like the box and the title of the movie and then when they watch it they're like this isn't what i built up in my head at all which is crazy <laughs> for people to talk like that but yeah i think that you'll enjoy it you know um i had borrowed the movie hellmouth off you mm-hmm. which had like you know if you're not into experimental filmmaking mm-hmm. you're gonna have a really hard time with shit like hellmouth house of thousand corpses and hellions all that start with h so we're in alliteration land with lydia <laughs> Ooh. online um but me and Wes can handle that because we're uh, we're fucking grown ups here. We're grown ups, and not only that, but I need to point out that a lot of times when you're thinking about your old favorite classic, it's experimental filmmaking. Something had to come first. Filmmaking itself as an art form was fucking experimental. But if you like any zombie movie in 1968, Romero made an experimental horror film that no one had ever done before. It was an independent movie, and and, he, and and like all of a sudden, an entire fucking industry was born, you know, like found footage or not. That was an experimental fucking thing that happened to work. So it's like people have to look if you want if you want the same thing over and over again. And I get it. Like people like storylines that they're familiar with. They know where it's going. They don't have to stress out too much about it. And when you put too much chaff in traditional narrative, it can throw people off. But fuck, man, like some of the best stories that we that are in comic books uh movies tv whatever are experimental there are ideas that well that's kind of a novel thing and then all of a sudden a billion people imitate it you want to talk about like the biggest baddest fucking most bloated money producing franchise ever is these marvel superhero movies experimental you do like individual films and then you put all these characters together in one movie that'll never work well i don't know it just sounds like they're just copying the universes and models that they built in comic book form 
but for the yeah, same. but at the same time, like studios that it said wouldn't work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just... like, because oh, that works for comic books. This doesn't work for film. Oh man, it works for film, and it makes us fucking rich. And what happens? Every other fucking film studio tries to do it now. So, like, um, my point being is like, it all has to start somewhere. You have to give credit to people, the mavericks that just don't give a fuck that will spend these. How like. How can you fucking, like, have a problem with Rob Zombie making 31 when motherfucker is, like, did it all himself? He, yeah, exactly. It's you know not your fucking like, business. Yeah, I was yeah. just like... We're just lucky we actually get to see it because he could make these movies and screen them for his pals, you know, yeah. at dinner and, parties. And, 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 like, and, and, like, I can't stand when people say that a person has failed at self-expression. Do you know how fucking weird that is to yeah. say that? That's fucking weird. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know. I'm getting ranty. No, like, it's fine. It's because, you know, it's the same... I don't know if it's only just when me and Chris talk, and I know he's talked about it on the show. The end of the last Bind Torture cast actually gets into the Eli Roth and Rob Zombie because he mentions uh, 31, because uh, he just saw it as well. Um, but it's the exact same problem. People get really angry. Even us nice, rational horror fans that just want to watch our horror and be left alone and have our opinions given to ourselves, we can't help but get ranty when people attack these artists for just doing whatever the hell that they want to do. And like I said, we're just lucky we get to see it. We're just lucky we get to see a lot of things that people drag through the mud online just because they can. And I blame online because there's no other real medium of expression where Joe Blow gets any fucking attention, right? Yeah, it's true. Fuck, we're living examples about like how the internet has given two schmucks a fucking venue to talk for two hours about House of a Thousand Corpses. Exactly. <laughs> and I could talk for two more hours about it because I just do love this movie. And I'm glad you could talk for two more hours about it because you're, you know, you can dig down into a lot of the popular misconceptions and conceptions about this film. Yeah, I, I was like, look, I can recognize that the things that I don't like about this film and the reason why it's not really my favorite is is a lot of my own hangups. And I'm. It, I don't. It's not that I don't see craftsmanship. It's not that I don't see magnetic performances mm -hmm. among some performances that I'm not a fan of. But that's fine. As I've said before on the show, I'm sure I've said it before on the show. Radio has taught me that you don't have to like everything, but you need to fucking acknowledge and respect that other people do. Yeah. And and and, and I feel like if that's people's outlook, and you go into these things without prejudice. You might actually fucking enjoy them. Like, you, you know, if you go into if you go into thirty one saying like "fuck Rob Zombie," you're never gonna like that movie. And why? people actually why? are, and I don't understand why they're wasting their fucking time. Yeah, doing why? It. I was like, do you not have something better to do with ninety minutes and your twelve bucks? Probably, you... I guess they better. You know, <laughs> right? there's a lot of other movies out there to watch. There's like probably another paranormal activity for you. You know, yeah, really. watch that if you yeah. like that, and and you know, again, like if you like those movies, that's fine. That, or if you really want to be an asshole and go shit all over fucking artists and like write down their fucking throats, if you want, you can go to something like the Ottawa Spook Show as a film festival happening today that we're <laughs> sadly missing because it's Saturday. Because we and... want to produce content for you. Yeah, um, at Saw Gallery, and it's a lot of experimental indie short horror and dark films that is where someone like Rob Zombie would be if he wasn't able to release his films properly the way he is. There's the Monster Pool coming to the Mayfair Theater, another short thing where I've seen some of the most whacked short horrors that I've ever seen, and it is all experimental. So if someone wants to be a real asshole, don't pick on someone who worked so hard to get like some sort of 
popular public release or theatrical release or had a crowdfunding campaign where there are people that really do believe in him. If you want to be a real fucking asshole, go to a, like a small independent theater and find a, a total no name and go crush their dreams. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go have, go have fun. If you want to feel like the big man, if you want to be the big bully and you want it to really matter, go fucking crush someone who hasn't even got an audience who doesn't have a cult following because no one that is a fan of someone like Eli Roth or Rob Zombie is fucking listening to you. And on that powerful note, I'm Wes Knipe. And I'm Typical Idiot. And you've been listening to Dead Air. <laughs>